0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع ومن قلب لا يخشع ومن نفس لا تشبع ومن عين لا تدمع Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul 'uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al My dear brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I welcome you all to episode 8 of our series A Blast from the Past: Seerah in the 21st Century. Subhanallah, how time flies. We're already on episode 8 and we are about to uh, welcome the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Uh, Friday night, the uh, last 10 nights begin. So tomorrow night is the last night and then um, the last 10 nights of Ramadan begin. The nights in which you and I have been asked to be diligent and search for the night of power. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us to witness the night of power. And bless us to witness the great rewards that the knight of power carries. Ameen. Indeed, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can bless us uh, with this gift and bless us with the ability to witness this gift. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Uh, brothers and sisters, yesterday we learned several lessons. Walillahil hamd All praises belong to Allah. He uh, gives us the strength and the abilities to learn and it is Allah who increases our knowledge. We learned... about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the fact that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a shepherd. And we learned about Bahira the monk. Bahira the monk. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's encounter with him. And we also learned the wisdoms behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspiring the Anbiya alayhim salatu to be shepherds. This is part of their training to be messengers. And we learnt the importance of financial independence and several other lessons. One of the stand out foot points from yesterday was that dua, this term dua in the Quran can refer to three things. Firstly, it can refer to dua or supplication. Secondly, it refers to any act of worship. And thirdly, it can refer to both. Both supplication and any act of worship. Your salah is dua. Any form of goodness is dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in His book, and we discussed this ayah yesterday, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ أُدْعُونِي لَكُمْ And your Rabb has said, observe dua and I will answer your dua. Then Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي Indeed, those who are arrogant with regards to my worship. The scholars say the fact that Allah in the second ayah mentioned worship. This is a lesson uh, for us that dua in the first ayah refers to both supplication as well as everything that's considered worship. Everything that's considered worship, right? Right? So du'a, this is an important point for you to know. In many cases, it refers to supplication. When, I, when somebody says, can you make du'a for me? Or you ask someone to make du'a uh, for you? Or you actually say, you're going to make du'a. How Rasulullah says, the fasting person has du'a that goes unanswered, right? Uh, this is supplication. But du'a in the Sharia can also mean all forms of worship. And we know this from the context of the ayat. This was a standout food point, And I wanted to revise that point with you just in case um, we didn't catch that particular lesson fully. Today, my dear brothers and sisters, we want to discuss a lesson and this is the, or one incident from the life of Rasulullah wasallam, And this is the only incident that we will discuss. Um, and that is an incident known as hilf. Al-Fudul Hilf Al-Fudul I want you to remember this in the Arabic language Hilf Al-Fudul You'll understand what it means when we run through What it represents Hilf Al-Fudul What is this incident about? During the early years of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam There was a pact called Hilf Al-Fudul So now you know it's a pact What was this pact about? will come to see insha'Allah. The story behind this pact is that a man from Zabid, Zabid in Yemen, he came to Mecca for business. And we've heard this time and time again in previous episodes, people would visit Mecca for business. It was, it was the waterhole, as we can say, right? Because of the Kaaba and Zamzam, caravans would stop in Mecca. So he came from Yemen, and we know Yemen is a distance from Mecca. He came for trade. What happened when he came for trade? His merchandise was sold to a man by the name of Al-Aus ibn Wa'il. This man. And this man promised to pay for the merchandise. He didn't pay immediately. But then he refused to pay And defaulted on payment. And he said he won't pay. So basically he usurped this merchandise. He oppressed this person. Especially since he's a foreigner. He's a foreigner. What's he going to do? I'm with my people. I'm with my tribe. Right? And this tribe comes from a clan that's well known. This person is a foreigner all the way from Yemen. What's he going to do? Right? He'll just go back empty handed. It's a win for me. This was wrong. But this is what he did. So this person here, this person that came from Zabid, Yemen, what did he do? He went up to a public or or, or went and assumed a public platform. And this public platform was in the form of a mountain known as Jabal Abi Qubays. And he started yelling out, on the top of his voice, to the Quraysh. He started shouting, I am oppressed in your land. Are you people going to stand up for my rights? Or will you allow this oppression to take place in your land? Right? And he spoke some emotional words. He spoke some emotional words. He basically yelled out a cry. So, when this happened, people inquired, what's going on? And it became apparent to the seniors that his property has been usurped, his merchandise has been taken unfairly. One of, our, one of ours has defaulted on payment and has oppressed this person. So what happened was a group, a group from the clans of the Quraysh decided to come together. Banu Hashim, Zahra, Banu Taim, they came together. They had a meeting. They came together to meet, let's discuss. Let's discuss this incident. And where did they meet? They met in the home of a person that was considered to be just. And they came to an agreement that under our watch, we will never ever allow oppression to take place. This is what they did. Was this good or bad? This was good. This was good. They said, under their watch, they will never ever allow oppression to take place. And they took an oath. That's why it's called hilf. They took an oath. They promised each other that this is the agreement. Right? This is our agreement. We will stand together and prevent oppression. You know, like now you have... In the world, the NATOs and you have different countries that come together and they put, they put their, their military might together. Right? Right? So this was the same. Well, this was similar. They put their, the clout that their clans had. They united the clout of these clans. That together we will not allow this oppression to take place. And they together went to the house of Al-Aas bin Wael and they retrieved the merchandise and they returned it to its rightful owner. Right now, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was a young boy at the time, and he says, "My uncles took me with them to this particular meeting, and the meeting was held in the house of Abdullah ibn Jadan, who was a generous man at the time and an advocate for human rights, an advocate for the protection of other people. These people existed, and it's important that we discuss this because whenever we think of the Quraysh, we think the worst." We think was. this is praiseworthy. This is praiseworthy. And that's why I told you yesterday, this is a mighty lesson we will take today. Because even Rasulullah wasallam said, that if something like this happened after I became a prophet, I would have gone to it. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, right? This was mighty. And we learn about people such as Abdullah ibn Jad'an. Abdullah ibn Jad'an, an advocate for human rights. An advocate for counter-oppression. These people existed. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi goes on to say, I witnessed in the house of Abdullah ibn Jad'an a pact made that I wouldn't have exchanged for the choicest and best herds. You know, one of the most precious wealth was certain types of herds, certain types of cattle, certain types of herds. He says, I would not have Exchanged me going, wa rahmatullah. I wouldn't have exchanged um, this pact for the choicest type of hers meaning for any amount of money. This is what he's saying, Rasulullah is saying. He's saying it's so dear to me. What happened, what the Quraysh did before prophethood, what they did to me, I would never ever exchange it for anything else. This was amazing, this was praiseworthy. And I want you to take note of how Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi is choosing his words. Who is he praising? These are idolaters. Not so? They're idolaters. But look at his words. He says, I would not have exchanged what they did for the best of herds. The best of herds. The most expensive of cattle. The most expensive of animals. I would not have exchanged it. He's talking about these idolaters. Sallallahu There's a reason why I'm highlighting these things. There's subtle lessons here, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, what are the lessons? This is simply in a nutshell, what Hilf al-Fudul is. What are the lessons? Many lessons from them firstly. Remember we spoke about giving your children responsibility. Remember that? Giving your children responsibility. These people are saying, or Rasulullah wasallam is saying, This happened, I was young and I was taken to it. This is the first lesson. He was taken to this mighty meeting that took place between mighty representatives of mighty tribes. You and I would say, this is not a place for the young. Go and kick a soccer ball. Right? Go and play. Your playstation. Go do something else. No, he was taken. Allah inspired them to take him look at the training rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam received look at his how mature he was he had to be look at the experiences he had rare experiences sallallahu alaihi wasallam so the first point is it is beneficial brothers and sisters to take your children to appointments that you consider appointments of responsibility obviously provided they've been brought up in such a way that they know when it's time to sit and remain silent because that's the nature of the environment. We're not saying bring them over and let them run havoc. No. Right? But you train them enough to know that this is a particular gathering and this gathering requires silence. So please sit next to me. Let them witness. It's good for their tarbiyah. It's good for their upbringing. It's good for them to see what their father, their hero, their guardian, their hero is up to. And they will remember it when they're older like Rasulullah ﷺ did. He was just over 12. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But the historians cite him as being just above 12. This is, the, I mean, in this day and age, what do we consider 12-year-olds as what? Right? But then, no. They were considered to be becoming. They were considered to be becoming. We know that Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma during one of the battles, he went to Rasulullah sallallahu and sought permission to participate. He says, I was 14. 14. 14! Seeking permission to participate because they were part of the fabric of society. Yes, they played and they had a childhood, but at the same time, they were part of the fabric of society. They knew what their elders were up to. They knew what they, what had, what they had to become. They knew the future that their hands would have to hold. Right? And this is, the, if you look at even, you know, the, the mighty beasts of the jungle. Take the lions, for example. Take the predators, for example. What do they do with the with young? They are li- Allah has inspired the young to practice fighting and so on and so forth. And sometimes you see their play fight, right? To learn skills. And sometimes you see the mother instigating. Instigating this, giving them responsibility from young. Picking them up, moving them into view of the hunt and so on and so forth. Right? We'll probably witness these things when we watch certain documentaries which grows our iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and our belief, and our awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. So this is the first lesson. We also learn from this particular lesson, my dear brothers and sisters, the importance of being just. The importance of being just. Even when there is a case between us and our enemies. And even if we are in a situation where we have to bear testimony, and the testimony goes against someone you and I love. It will work against the people we love. We learn from the story how to be just. Where do we learn this from? Firstly, the practice of the Quraysh against their own. In returning the merchandise to its rightful owner. Secondly, from the fact that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa as a prophet is praising the idolaters for something good which they did. This is from being just. This is from being just. And this is from the teachings of the Sharia, my dear brothers and sisters. Rasulullah would mention the bad. And also, if they had good, he would mention the good. Was he not the one who said, إِنَّمَا al-akhlaq"? I have not been sent except to perfect the most noble of characters. Whose characters? The characters of the Quraysh. He's acknowledging that yes, they are idolaters. The majority is bad, but they have amazing qualities that I've been sent to complete. Subhanallah. Isn't this from being just in speech? This is from being just in speech. That whenever we speak, whilst we recognize the bad and the negatives, we recognize the positives. And the first justice we learn, is to be just even if it involves our own people. Someone we know, a friend has made a mistake. He's oppressed somebody, a family member, a tribesman. Your child, your spouse, your parents, speak the truth for the sake of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it's not strange, my dear brothers and sisters, that this was his way. Why? Because we know his character was the Qur'an. Aisha radiallahu anha, when she was asked about the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, Kana khuluquhu al-Qur'an." His character was the Qur'an. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches this to us in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إيَّكُن غنياً أو فقيراً فَاللَّهُ man بِهِمَا God, for Allah is a وَإِن of أَوْ Let فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيراً Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who have believed, and O you who believe, be persistently standing firm in justice. A witness for Allah, even if it be against yourselves, or your parents, or your relatives. Whether one is rich, or whether one is poor, Allah is more worthy of both. So follow not personal inclination, lest you not be just. And if you distort your testimony, or refuse to give it, then indeed Allah is ever with what you do acquainted. Allah knows everything that you do. And Allah knows everything that you hide. And Allah knows everything that you edit and change. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in His book, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us, by Saying, Ya ayuhal ladina amanu kunu kawa mina lillahi shuhada abil kist. Allah says, oh you who have believed, be persistently standing firm for Allah. Witness witnesses in justice. Allah says, Wala yajiri manakum shanaan ukomen al shanaan ukomen ala ala tadilu. Idilu. Allah says, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تعملون. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O oh you who have believed, be persistently standing firm for Allah, witnesses in justice, and do not let the hatred of people prevent you from being just. Take heed my dear brothers and sisters, especially when we see what's happening in the Muslim world, and, and, and certain injustice is taking place. And how we speak. Allah says, Let not the hatred of a people prevent you from being just. I'dilu, be just. This is nearer to righteousness. And this is the month of taqwa. This is where we strive to gain taqwa. Allah says, Being just is from taqwa. Allah says, What taqullah? and fear the punishment of Allah. Be God conscious of Allah. Indeed, Allah is acquainted with what you do. Right? So this is, Rasulullah Wasallam's character was the Qur'an, and here the Qur'an speaks. Subhanallah. In fact, when we look at the sunnah, we see once a Jew came to the Prophet Wasallam, A Jew, a non-Muslim. And he tells the Prophet Wasallam, He says, that you Muslims also have shirk. Allahu Akbar. A Jew is telling Muhammad sallallahu that the Muslims have shirk. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa waited to hear what he had to say. Right? This is the character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So the Jew says, you Muslims, you say, you say, whatever Allah wills and you will. And you also take oaths by the Kaaba." So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa took this on board. He took it on board and he advise the ummah and he told the ummah to say warabbil kaaba and he told the ummah to say ma sha allah thumma ma in the first statement the jew says you you say ma sha allah wa ma in the second statement rasulullah uh, or rasulullah sallallahu wasallam corrected it by saying say ma sha allah thumma ma don't say wa kick out wa and put in there, thumma so this Jew said that you Muslims, you take an oath by the Kaaba. This is shirk. Because so the Prophet, the Prophet forbade us from taking an oath by anything other than Allah. Right? And, and, and in, in, in another hadith, فليحف, فليحلف بالله Right? Rasulullah says whoever believes in Allah in the last day should say a good word or remain silent. But the hadith that I intended, another hadith came out, Alhamdulillah, we benefit from it. The hadith that I intended is that Rasulullah said that if a person takes an oath, if my memory serves me right. I will revise it for you, insha'Allah. That a person who takes an oath, he should only take an oath by Allah or remain silent. And he says, That the one who takes an oath by any other than Allah, then he has practiced disbelief or shirk. And today, we need to correct this practice, right? We see some of the youth, I swear by my mother. I swear by my father. We hear this, the youth say. Not so? Look, our gentleman, here has heard it. This is what happens. Something happens in school. Did you take it? He goes, I swear on my mother's life. life. I I swear by my grandparents' grave. I didn't do it. This is wrong. We have to teach our youth. In fact, we have another evil, brothers and sisters, that we must mention when we discuss this. فَلْيَحْلِفْ بِاللَّهِ We have another evil. Which is people saying, for example, fingers crossed. This is what people say. Muslims. I've heard Muslims say this. Touch wood. Touch wood and fingers crossed. Wallahi, I've heard Muslims say this. They don't know what they're saying. Allahu al-musta'an. You say, is everything okay? They say, touch wood, everything's okay. So let's hope it works. They say, fingers crossed. It works. Do you know what you're saying? What does fingers crossed mean? It, it, you, basically, it's, it's, it's referencing Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross. And touch wood refers to what I've been told, the crosses that people would wear around their necks was made out of wood. And for, for, uh, to avert any difficulty, people would hold the wood, would hold the cross, which is made out of wood. Touch wood. And Muslims need to be aware. Subhanallah. These words shouldn't come out of a Muslim's life, my uh, mouth, my dear brothers and sisters. We need to be aware. And we need to educate people when they say this, that this is wrong. This is wrong, you shouldn't say this. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Yes, if you're ignorant and you didn't know, then uh, uh, it's not you're not sinful. But you, you are sinful for not finding out. You are sinful for leaving yourself prone to accepting practices such as these. Leaving your aqeedah, your, your, your knowledge of Islamic beliefs so weak we have a responsibility. This is from the knowledge that every Muslim needs to know. This is not from the knowledge that is specific to the scholars. You must understand this. Yes, yes. When, when the scholars say, seeking knowledge is farad kifaya, it's a, it's a communal obligation, meaning if certain elements in society go and learn it, the obligation is lift off, lifted off the rest. They're referring to a segment of knowledge. Because knowledge is of two types. Knowledge which every Muslim has to know. And that is compulsory upon every Muslim. It's not a a communal obligation. It's compulsory upon everybody. And then we have knowledge which suffices if members of the community go and and learn it like the ulama. Whereby the, the layman or the lady can go to them, to the scholars or the clergy and seek clarity when they need that knowledge. That's fine. But there's certain knowledge which is compulsory on all of us. This is from that knowledge, my dear brothers and sisters. If you don't learn it, you're sinful. You're sinful. Yes, you might say, I didn't know, so I'm forgiven, I'm excused. You are excused, but insha'Allah. but you're sinful for not making the effort. Seek forgiveness for that as well. And this should inspire us, brothers and sisters, to really, really, really... To, you know, make it a point in our lives to go and study Islamic theology properly. At least the basics, that which we need to know. I'm not talking about the, 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 the extended matters like refutations and so on and so forth. Yes, that can remain with the scholars, but that which keeps you, found, keeps you founded upon the straight path and keeps your practices sound as well, you have to know this. This is a footnote for today, by the way. We have to have our footnotes every day. So Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala or, or, or this Jew he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and say they have shirk they swear by the Kaaba so the prophet said don't swear by the Kaaba but say wa rabbil kaaba i swear by the lord of the Kaaba then he said that they say masha Allah wa ma shi'it. as Allah wanted and you wanted when something goes in your favor so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa corrected them because wow in the arabic language Gives reference to there being two matters of, say, of the same presence in the sentence. What's before the waw and what's after the wa? Allah is Allah subhanahu wa taala is the Almighty. So the Prophet sallallahu said, "Don't use wa, use thumma. Masha Allah thumma ma Firstly, it was the will of Allah, and then what you desired, and then, not and." what you desired and then what you desired, right? It drops you, it drops you a level. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you wanted something and Allah didn't, it would have never happened. But when you say what Allah wanted and what you wanted, it gives the impression that it happened because you wanted it, even if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not will it. So this is wrong. Does that make sense brothers and sisters? Right? Does it make sense? So the Prophet told us to say what Allah willed and then what we desired. But what we desire means nothing if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not will it. As we heard in the salah, Allah is the irresistible. Allah is in control of everything. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we learn from these lessons to be just. This is very important. Brothers and sisters, we need to benchmark ourselves against this lesson. How just are we in our lives? How just are we? Firstly, we have an issue when we speak. We generalize. This is not from being just. We generalize. You know, these people, they're like this. No, not everyone is like that. Not everyone is like that. Social media, everybody's venting. This nation? No, it's not this nation. It's a group, it's a select few. Be just in what you say be just in what you say. Secondly, we see in society, people who might be jealous of somebody, or somebody who might have made a mistake, and now you've taken an issue with this person, somebody else comes and praises them, mentions some good which they've done, and in fact it is good, but you come out negative. You try and bring that good down. Why? Because of this prejudice that you have against this person, or this jealousy, it could be, prejudice or it could be an issue because they made a mistake in the past. So you don't want to see anybody say any good about them. You might not know it, but you have a tendency of always putting them down. Somebody praises them and you, you come up with, nah, it's not like that. It's nothing special. That's not special. You know somebody else, they did it like this. You know what he did? I could have done it with my eyes closed. Right? This is wrong. This is wrong. If, if this person has made a mistake, he's made a mistake, and now he's done something good, acknowledge the good. Here Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us a lot about idolatry and, and, and the evils of disbelief in the hereafter and and, and and the reality of the Quraysh but here we see him praising the Quraysh sallallahu alaihi wasallam this was a point worth praising he praised it this is from being just my dear brothers and sisters so benchmark yourselves against this where do we lie with these two scenarios that i've set when people praise others and we have an issue with them how do we respond ask yourself And if it's not right, you have a problem. There's some, you have an oppressive nature, you got to fix it. Oppression is not just dropping bombs on, on innocent people. It's of many types, right? Right? And charity begins at home. If you want to fix oppression in the world, fix the oppression within yourself first, and become a just person first, right? So this is what we learn. And brothers and sisters, in terms of just speech and unjust speech, Then today, subhanallah, we see a sickness. Inshallah, it's a small, Inshallah, it's it's amidst, the sickness is amidst a small group of people, but it's where they criticize the du'at, and where they criticize the scholars, and where they, they criticize the ulama, and they criticize the imams. The imam made a mistake, he's not infallible. He's a human being. What happens? We start running around the community. You need to stop going to this masjid. You need to stop going to this dars. You need to stop listening to this person. This person has this mistake and that mistake. And so on and so forth. You know those people? You know the Warner Brothers? Everyone knows the Warner Brothers, huh? <laughs> Not that Warner Brothers that you're thinking about. Right? We need to be careful, brothers and sisters. Yeah, you guys cut caught on late. You guys are slow. I don't know what's going on. You didn't, you didn't have iftar? Or it's just a Melbourne thing? PTY, LTD, huh? <laughs> I'm sure our brother then was the Bono Brothers. <laughs> right? We start warning, running around society, being unjust in our speech. The person has 99% good, 1% is a mistake. And we're running around making as if this person is 100% bad. Subhanallah. And then we try and justify it. And we say, you see the scholars of hadith, they had this thing called Jarh wa tadeel Allahu Akbar. Now you've become a big scholar now, Masha'Allah. Right, Jarhul Ta'deel. They say this is from the, from the science of hadith, where we endorse people, and with regards to others, we mention their faults. So people know where to take their knowledge from, and where not to. Ya hawla wa la quwata illa billah. wa Ta'deel. This is a science. Stop belittling the science. This was a science and it worked because of necessity to look after the message of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, And even the way it was done, it was done in a scholarly way, in an academic way, with the adab, the manners, the morals, the etiquettes. Don't take something so noble and so precious and apply it to your oppression. This is, even, this is also oppression. <laughs> uh, when you, what is justice? Justice is putting the right thing in the right place. Oppression is taking something and putting it in the wrong place. Right? So when you take something so noble and apply it, to your misguidance and mistake, then this is taking something and putting it in the, wrong, in the wrong place. This is another oppression. We need to look after our tongues, brothers and sisters, and we need to look after our hearts. We need to be just. I'm not saying that if somebody has an established mistake and a scholar says, look, so and so, he's a good speaker, but he has one or two issues, these issues be wary of, right? You've heard it from a scholar, you came to a community, and you're educating this community, that's fine. But what did I say? You're educating them, you're not causing fitna. The difference between educating that so-and-so has a mistake, right? This is his mistake, you come with the proper etiquettes. But you know what? In 99% of his message is good, benefit from him. This issue here, perhaps don't listen to it, but take it from another teacher. He has slight weakness in it. That's fine. But when you go about unjustly criticizing the person, making them public enemy number one, you've got to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You've got to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So once again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't highlight a mistake if there is most definitely a mistake. But understand, be fair when you do it and look after the manners, the morals and etiquettes. This was from the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Another scenario can be shared with you all brothers and sisters here. And that is, sometimes we have a person who is misguided. Like the Quraysh. And then something good comes from them and we shoot it down. Why? Because of its origin. Because of its origin. Hilf al-Fudul teaches us that this is wrong. Hilf al-Fudul teaches us that this is wrong. If the person said something, That was beneficial. And the Sharia supports it. It doesn't contradict the Sharia, And this is the most evil person around. We don't shoot what he said down because he is the most evil person around. We separate between what he said and him as a human being. This is from being just as well. So take heed, my dear brothers and sisters. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Ameen. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. This is the month of taqwa, by the way, my dear brothers and sisters. And from the means of acquiring taqwa is by looking after your tongue. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuha al amanu taqullaha waqulu qawlan sadeedah. Oh o you who believe, O oh you who believe, be God conscious of Allah. Be people of taqwa. How can you be a person of taqwa waqulu qawlan sadeedah? And say a word which is upright and has no crookedness in it. Call a spade a spade. And in Africa, as we say, not a big spoon. Call a spade a spade and not a, a big spoon. There should be no crookedness in your speech. Be straight, be straight. وَقُولُوا and sadida. This is from the means of acquiring taqwa. May Allah make us the people of taqwa. Ameen. We also learn, brothers and sisters, from this great event. During the life of Rasulullah wasallam. The importance of being the first helpers of every proactive effort. Even if the initiator of the effort is a non-Muslim. Even if, pay attention to this. Especially when we live in Muslim, we are a Muslim minority, right? We are under the patronage of a country that, that, that looks after us as Muslims as well. They've allowed us, mashaAllah, to have this musallah to pray salah and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and have talks like like these. Not so? Has Australia not allowed that? Right? And that's why as Muslims, we should should be the first people to thank. Not take it for granted. Yes, it's the mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we can do it, and it's Allah who inspires. But we should also thank. You know how we get together and write petitions? To combat oppression, we should also get together 100,000, 200,000 thank you letters and send it to the government. Thank them for allowing a safe passage into the country, allowing us security in our stay, allowing us job opportunity, right? Allowing us to pray Jumu'ah. Subhanallah, look, who full the masjid is on, on Jumu'ah. The first Jumu'ah I had was last week, the, 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 the crowds were going out of, out, of the, out of the venue. Right? People come and pray. Alhamdulillah. We can have talks such as these. Right? You should thank. You should get 200,000 letters together and thank. Show the way of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa The problem is, good people don't want to show the good. And people who've gone astray, may Allah guide us all, They do what they do, misrepresent Islam. And what happens? People don't know any good to refer this bad or to benchmark this bad against. We haven't given them anything. We haven't shown them anything about Islam. Right? So we learn from Hilf al-Fudul that when something good happens, even if a non-Muslim initiates it, go forward and support it with your time, with your wealth, with your energies, Go and support it. How do we learn this? Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam himself said, after he became a prophet, if this had to happen again, I would go. I would support it. Allahu Akbar. Initiative of the non-mus, idolaters. He says, I will support it. Because this is good. This is good. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, Ibn al-Qayyim. I want to back up my statement in case somebody says, who is this person speaking? We're hearing something strange. Unfortunately, to some of us it's strange that many of us think like this, right? Ibn al-Qayyim says, Rahimahullah. This is a, tra- a rough translation for you. That we should help and support the work which the Sharia is a supporter of even if it is done by idolaters. Even if it is done by people of bid'ah. Even if it is done by sinners. And even if it is done by people who are known to be oppressors. If they do some form of work that the Sharia supports and considers to be sacred, you should be there to support it. Not supporting their sin not supporting their disbelief, not supporting their idolatry, not supporting the oppression, but supporting the good work that they're doing. That is being just, where you separate between them and that which has been done. And if you need convincing, see the book Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 3, page 303. I just came to know recently that, it's, that there's a, a, a pretty full translation of Zad al-Ma'ad, and it's, it's sold in, in, in a bookshop in Sydney. Right? Four volumes been translated. They've just left out the poetry and slightly abridged. Right? Read it. Learn about Rasulullah wasallam. Especially now, my dear brothers and sisters, Wallahi, we live in an age of confusion. We live in an age of confusion. This is... I don't want to get into details, it's beyond the scope of this classroom, to talk about what's happening right now in the Middle East, and so on and so forth. It's beyond the scope of this classroom. But we, this is the time when we need to learn. Learn the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Learn what he taught us with regards to fitna. With regards to fitna and what is fitna? What is fitna when you can't differentiate between right and wrong and what you should do? The books of hadith have dedicated chapters, dedicated towards, towards uh, fitnah, trial and tribulation. And the Muslims' position from this trial and tribulation, what is expected of them? This is not a time to be opening our mouths, yapping away, speaking from emotion, claiming things to be right and wrong, based on emotion and no evidence. This is not the time for that, my dear brothers and sisters. This is the time when we keep silent and let the scholars guide us. This is, what we, this is the time to do so, brothers and sisters. It's beyond the scope of the classroom, but I don't want to go in. But since we have a slight correlation to what's saying, it mandates that a little bit is said, right? It mandates that a little bit is said. This is the time to learn, what does Allah want of me in this time? I am a Muslim, submitted to the will of Allah, not to my emotion, not to my ego, not to society, not to peer pressure. Oh, I am a servant of Allah. Islam refer- yes we say peace, it means peace, but it also means istislam. To submit to the will of Allah in the second that you are in. What does Allah expect of me in this second? And some of us subhanallah start commenting on matters, worldly matters as if Allah made us representatives of these matters and placed the obligation of speaking about them on our shoulders. Allahu Akbar. You know what a mighty weight it is to speak about these matters and how answerable you will be in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you said a word without knowledge. So why speak? If you know the repercussion of your speech, فل... فَلْيَقُلْ خيراً Whoever believes in Allah in the last day must say a good word or remain silent. Take heed my dear brothers and sisters. This is of utmost importance. Now, when we learn how Rasulullah has taught us to stand up for those proactive efforts, those, which, uh, those efforts which the sharia considers sacred, even if a non-Muslim does it, What about when a Muslim does it? What about my dear brothers and sisters, when a Muslim organization is doing that which the Sharia considers to be sacred? What should be your position and my position from this? How many times do we see today, the organization has to come and beg brothers, sisters, help us. Brothers, sisters, help us. Then we pledge, we say, okay. And then we don't follow through with the pledge. They call you up a few months later, brother, you pledged this pledge. No, I've changed my mind. You know, things are tough. And so on and so forth. Shouldn't we be celebrating the life of Rasulullah wasallam and going forward and asking them, what help do you need before they ask for help? For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? How many times fundraisers have to happen? How many times and how many times and how many times? How many times do you have to see after a Jumu'ah program, after this program, after that program, brothers, come forward, assist. Brothers, come forward, assist. Brothers, come forward, assist. You have in your messenger, the messenger of Allah, the perfect example, the perfect pattern, the perfect role model. This is who he was, brothers and sisters. You know, brothers and sisters, life wasn't meant to be so discomfortable. It wasn't meant to be this comfortable. This isn't, you know, we, you get what I'm saying. It's not all, it wasn't meant to be just about you and your wife and your kids and the school fees is paid and the bills are paid and I have a job, my car, I have a nice car, comfortable car, I go to work, I come home, I'm relaxed, everything is hunky-dory. Right? I'm saying hunky-dory because there's a fish shop here in Melbourne. It's well known, right? <laughs> Everything is well. I'm comfortable. Life's comfortable. My neighbor is suffering. doesn't bother me. In fact, I won't even try and look. As long as this fear of influence of mine is okay, it's not my problem. The no-care attitude. The no-care attitude. Now, I went to the UK once, and I heard a statement I can't be asked. Whether it's proper English or not, it's something else. But I understood what the person was saying. <laughs> you know? When somebody saying, uh, can you do this? I can't be asked. It's not my problem. I'm saying it a bit better way. I pronounce the T. You know there the T's get, you know, I can't be asked. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? This is not the speech of a Muslim. This is not the speech of, I can't be asked. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Do you, do you think Jannah is cheap? Did you not hear Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, Ala inna ghaliya. The merchandise of Allah is expensive. Did you not hear that? The merchandise of Allah is expensive. It requires you to come in the cold, in the dark of the night to the masjid. And observe the salah. And the Quran. It requires you to put cold water on your hands, even though you dislike it. It requires you to give your wealth, even though you attach to it. It requires, it requires. The merchandise of Allah is not cheap. I can't be asked. Are you guaranteed Jannah that you can't be asked? May Allah forgive us, Wallahi. We are selfish brothers and sisters. We are selfish. You know the Quraysh? Idolaters. But what did they show? Selflessness, not selfishness. They made somebody else's problem their problem. And what did they do? An entire pact, an entire constitution came about because one person was oppressed. La ilaha illallah. What about you and I today? How many oppressions do we allow to happen? How many will we allow to happen before we stand up and say, in the 21st century, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We need to stand up against this. This is oppression. With the Islamic etiquettes, morals, manners, of course. But we got to stand up. This is my problem. If I'm sleeping comfortably at night and these problems exist, there's something wrong with me. Cry to Allah. Turn to Allah. Is this the way your parents brought you up? I hate to think so. If this is your case, then you've also done an injustice to the honor of the upbringing that your parents gave you. Because by Allah, I don't think any parent will bring up their child to be selfless. To be selfish rather. They bring them up to be self, selfless. They teach them values. This was the way of the Anbiya alayhi was-salam. We love for our brother. La yu'minu ahadukum. None of you truly believe. None of you truly believe. Until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. Ya Allah. Ya Allah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What an amazing teacher he was. And how deflated are we? May Allah forgive us, Wallahi. We haven't given our Messenger his haqq. We haven't, Wallahi. Even when we say his name, how many say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Even in saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is a right from his rights, Allah has, Allah has made it compulsory upon us to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when the term Muhammad he said. How many of us practice this right of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Remember the other day I said, brothers and sisters, you know what our problem is? We have data. We don't have knowledge. We have data, raw information. It's not knowledge. We say Muhammadur Rasulullah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. You know where it is? On the tongue. It hasn't crossed the collarbones. It hasn't gone into the heart. Our actions do not show Muhammadur Rasulullah. Our speech does not show Muhammadur Rasulullah. We are not walking the talk, brothers and sisters. What does Muhammadur Rasulullah mean? What does it mean? It means I will be on this Earth the way Allah wants me to be as taught to me by Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is your homework today, my dear brothers and sisters. Go home and ask yourself, get a big sheet of paper and ask yourself, am I in this world, as per the teaching? of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and thus be true to the first part of the shahada la ilaha illallah la ma'abuda bihaqqin that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah because wallahi for you to do justice to la ilaha illallah you need to give due diligence to Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu Allah wants us to be in this world as He wants us to be here. He wants us to worship Him as He wants to be worshipped. And by Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves to be worshipped the way He wants to be worshipped. Don't think for one minute, my dear brothers and sisters, that your sujood is going to increase the majesty of Allah and your sin is going to decrease the majesty of Allah. Absolutely not. Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest and Allah is greater than everything. Allah is perfect from ever and is perfect forever. Your sujood doesn't mean anything to Allah. He will always be great whether you worship Him or you don't. And He never needed you to worship Him for him to be Allah. He never needed you to seek forgiveness for him to be the merciful. He never needed to create you for him to be known as Al-Khaliq. He was the creator before he created. He was the most merciful before he showered mercy. He was the most forgiving before he forgave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, perfect from ever and perfect forever. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. This is the lesson, my dear brothers and sisters, inshallah, I hope to see you all tomorrow. And we'll take another lesson from the lessons that we find from the life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I told you we're not storytelling, we want to extract and see what matters to us here in the 21st century. And I reiterate what I have left out is far more than what I have shared. We only have 45 minutes to an hour, brothers and sisters. Only forty five minutes to an hour. Right? And this is not the biography of any ordinary man. I love you all for the sake of Allah. Everything correct said is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He's perfect. And any mistakes are from myself and shaitan and I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. May Allah preserve us in His obedience and forgive our past and gather us together to learn more from the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Wasallam and gather us underneath His arsh on the day of qiyamah after we pass away and gather us in jannah with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we can tell rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam of the fun times we had during the nights of ramadan in the year 2014 learning about him and his life and how he benefited us hundreds of years later. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallamu sallallahu alayhi wa baraka alaa nabi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi ajma'in subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanaqalla humma wa bihamdi ka nashadu alla ilaha illa antha furu kawa tubu alaykus salamu alaykum warahmatullahi ubarakat.